Hello, hello. Welcome to the Back Porch Podcast. I'm Corey Dempsey. And I'm Andrew Beam. Uh, so we're going to be doing something a little different this time around. We're actually going to be doing uh, our first series of different podcasts. Obviously, the other ones, it's just been one whole episode where it's us going through an entire top five list. But our next three episodes on this are actually all going to be about our most magnetic movie villains in history. So in order to do like a real deep dive with these movies, we felt like we had to break it up. Otherwise, we just... We couldn't do it justice, so it's mainly because we have a trouble self-editing. Yeah, yeah, we 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 like to talk about these movies a lot, and so for this one, um, this first episode, what we're gonna do, we're gonna give you a little bit of an introduction about what it means to be an a magnetic movie villains. Uh, we're gonna give some shout outs to some villains that didn't quite make it but deserve deserve mention, um, some honorable mentions, and we'll do. Uh, our number fives on the list. We'll reveal those in this first episode here. And as we kind of have in the past few episodes, uh, we always have another guest, a third person in the room. Uh, this time we are going to be joined by Micah Khan. Um, I'm going to read a nice little thing that he wrote for himself that I told him to write. So to be fair. Uh, so anyways, uh, Mike is a filmmaker who was featured on Robert Rodriguez's uh, El Rey Network. You know, Robert Rodriguez, director of Sin City and Spy Kids. Most re- recently, uh, he directed a El short Mariachi film. El Mariachi series, dog. There we go. El Mariachi series. Oh, my God. <laughs> Love uh, it. He actually recently uh, directed a short film called Meet Cute on Dance World, which... I actually, I, I was in for, well, I was a, I was an extra where I just tried to not get a, I tried to not drop a drink. That's all I had to do. I, I was slid a drink across the How, bar. How'd you do? I did okay. I almost tripped. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and actually what's pretty cool too is that, uh, I know he, he, told, he sent me uh, a quote that I get David Benioff, the creator or one of the co-creators of, uh, HBO's Game of Thrones, uh, actually said of it, quote, never seen anything quite like it before. I was smiling the whole way through, and it's fresh, it's original, and it kicks ass, and I've seen it. It's really cool. I haven't seen the finished product yet, so I, I know maybe we'll get into that a little bit with him. But yeah, he's currently adapting a two-time World Fantasy Award-winning author short story for the screen. So uh, so yeah, pretty excited to have Mike on because he really likes talking movies, and we kind of, I think, talked a lot about it already without recording, which may have been our mistake. Ah, it'll be good. Really excited to have him on. That's gonna be That's going to be super cool. Um, so today we'll be drinking Stone Brewing Punishment. Uh, it's the Double Bastard Ale, brewed with chili peppers, Punishment, and aged in bourbon barrels. I feel like that's the perfect beer for movie villains. Well, yeah, the word bastards. Plus, we even have a movie that we're going to be talking about that has the words bastards in it. It just all comes together. Ah, oh, it's so good. All right, so let's pop this thing. Let's get this going, fellas. Oh. Huh? It's gonna black glass all over you. Aww. Oh, that was <laughs> so weird. Alright, so we're here today and we're discussing the most magnetic movie villains. The top five most magnetic movie villains. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, <laughs> I want to be clear what I don't mean because good when we uh, when we you mean you mean like Magneto, right? <laughs> <laughs> so 
so when we first like started presenting this idea and started kicking it around you know we we asked a couple of friends that question i know john it was my first response it was your first response i think it was john's first response it, it was, was my wife's it was my brother justin like all of them had the same exact response and it was like do you mean like magneto <laughs> and i found that so funny because i was like can we even put together a top five of other villains that use magnets? No. <laughs> no, I don't think we can. Like, maybe we could put Insane Clown Posse on there because they do that one song, Magnets. How do they work? Yeah, but I don't really consider them villains. Are they not? No, they're pretty chill. Are they? Yeah. Okay. I, I should gotta, probably I, I should probably look into it a bit more. Yeah, maybe, uh, we should, maybe we should go and like go undercover. Oh, okay. That might be a lot, but like, hey, that's, it still that's, happens, that's the right? Only way that we're gonna know. Yeah, I think so, right? Yeah, apparently it's pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, watch the Vice documentary with Danny Brown when he performs at Gathering of the Juggalos. It's Danny Brown performs there. Uh, he did once. That's awesome. It's awesome. All right, they loved him. But anyway. So with magnetic movie villains, um, moving on. Yeah, that was a that was a nice little that was a tangent. But uh, moving on, what we really mean by magnetic movie villains is not Magneto, um, but or magnets or magnets, um, but just someone that has a certain kind of train wreck, car wreck like quality to them. Like they're so awful when they're on the screen but you just can't look away. And in that way, they just like full on own the movie. I also think for me, it's someone who can come off as incredibly charming, very, they, they have a presence as opposed to just being an evil person. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, so we went to go put together our, each of our top five lists. And, you know, I know for me, I had, when I first put together the list, it was like 20, 25 people um, that just like villains that immediately came to mind. And so I kind of had to start to parse down the list and I started to make concessions of sorts. So one thing is... Who are the hardest ones for you to let go? Well... Not even in your honorable mentions. Well, that's... I'll, so I'll, I'll, I'll mention some right now and they kind of fit into different categories. So... I first made it and the first list had a bunch of what we would consider anti-heroes. The people like Neil McCauley and Heat, who you know full well is one of my absolute favorite movie characters of all time. I right. fucking love Heat so much and I love it's a great Neil movie. McCauley. Yeah, it's amazing. But he's not really a villain because you're, despite the fact that he's a bad dude, because like he just you know, willy nilly kills those guards at the, at the truck. And well, yeah, he doesn't want to get caught. Right, gotta, He's a professional. He's a professional. And so he's, he is a bad guy, but like, you're also rooting for him the whole movie. So he's not, right. he's not a villain. He's not a villain. Um, well, no, he's a villain. Well, but he's not a villain in the movie sense. Like he is a bad guy, but he's not a villain. That's right. what I think the difference is. There's like bad guys and there's villains. So then I also, you know, I had some other people um, from movies that were like a movie like Goodfellas, but that's a movie about bad guys. So there's not really a villain in that movie. There's I, just one that actually has redeeming qualities. 
I don't even know if we can say that Henry Hill has redeeming qualities. He is, he's the main character, but like in a movie full of bad guys, it's hard to identify one mo- like movie villain. And I think that, you know, if we're looking at Goodfellas, Joe Pesci's character, Tommy DeSimone, I believe it's DeSimone. I don't know. I, I kind of... Oh, no, sorry. Tommy DeVito. That's my bad. In a movie like Goodfellas, like, you know, Joe Pesci's character, Tommy DeVito is the craziest and the worst of them, but he's not really the villain because like the only people he's doing it to are other bad guys. And like, there's not really a traditional protagonist antagonist, you know, it's just a study of like bad guys, you know, and what there's not meant to be like like a good or a bad guy. It's just, yeah. Like you said, it's an exploration, right? It's just a, exploration of a case study in a certain world and i think that pulp fiction also falls into that category oh absolutely like, jules yeah jules is a great great character and i love that character but vincent i thought is also a good character all, every character pretty much but like it's just an exploration of this other world and you know you could do that with all actually a lot of quentin tarantino movies like reservoir dogs like they're all bad guys but like it's a movie about bad guys and like how they're kind of normal they have the same discussions as us and i think that's interesting we also went into who was really truly magnetic um and who really owned the screen and these were the people that you know they are villains and they are villains in the traditional sense of like you're not rooting for them and so people that are just villains Right. They're just kind of straightforward. They're filling a role. Right. And so the first group that I found with that is like the villains that are definitely evil. There's not a lot of complexity to the character. And really their only function is to kind of, you know, quote unquote, chase the good guys. This would be like your Jason Voorhees type, your Michael Myers type, the Terminator and Terminator 1. I think there's a bit more complexity in the later ones, but Terminator 1 is very much just like, I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger and I come to get you. And you're like, a robot. Yeah. And it was, is very robotic. I always thought Jason was kind of, you know, charming. He was persistent. <laughs> persistent. I, I would I I would list perseverance as one of his great, great. Pretty uh, sure he got lit on fire. Oh yeah. He got more than lit on fire. He got electrocuted. He got drowned. He got he got killed in every way that you could possibly. I guess ma- not magnetic, but like there's gotta be a bit of empathy, right? That's that's a lot of stuff. That's that's a lot of stuff to happen to one person. No, and like, you know. Anyone. Yeah, there's a bit, but like there's. Maybe I don't need to make a case for Jason. (laughs) I don't think I do. Go ahead. All right. So moving on from Jason, but like, yeah, they're just kind of there to chase the good guys, so to speak. So the one that and I know we kind of discussed this a little bit and I feel like falls into maybe not that category, but kind of more about sort of like the Goodfellas Pulp Fiction sort of discussion that we had. Because the one that when we talk with other people and I know that I had this character on my list, Patrick Bateman. I don't know. I kind of want to hear your your thought on that. You know, to me, I don't feel like Patrick Bateman necessarily belongs on this list. You know, he is a bad guy. And he's not very charming either in the movie. He's not like everything about him is awkward and like just so plastic and fake. And that is the point of the movie. And Christian Bale is doing a great job of presenting that. And the character is really well written as a way to talk about the fakeness of that whole Wall Street thing. Right. He's just a portrayal of a certain sect of society. 
and not necessarily a villain. You know, the whole villain is, at least of the movie, is that culture and that idea. That's the villain of the movie. He's just a representation of it. You know, you could just as easily put Paul Allen in there or Marcus Halberstrom or whatever other, you know, rich white dude who's a Wall Street person. Although going back, going back to sort of that idea of like really cheering it on when someone gets theirs. Paul Allen. I mean, oh, I when, just, he, when he gets it, it's it's great. So good. <laughs> just so good. And the axe in the head to the, Huey Lewis. The, in the Huey news. Lewis in oh, the news. Man. Like, that's just the biggest insult ever. You put on like, all right, listen, some people may love the album sports. I'm a little bit partial to it, but let's be real and objective about it. It's not good. It's a terrible fucking album. Huey Lewis in the news did not make very good music, but he could dance to it. Oh, yeah. Catchy as hell. He danced with an axe to it. You know, which is kind of impressive. You got to have, and you know how much he worked on his body. You got to have some some decent upper body strength for that. Some good core strength for that too. You just got to hold it all into place, make it flow well. And he does all of that while swinging an axe into Paul Allen's head. Yeah, for sure. Does it, does it really well. Any other characters you wanted to discuss that are not on your list or in your honorable mention? No, um, I, Patrick Bateman, I think, because I, I just feel like the reason why we, you know, feel like we have to clear the air on his character is because that's going to be the one that a lot of people will will bring up yeah. is a lot of what about that him? we a lot of people that we talked about it with when we discussed this topic. Patrick Bateman is the one that comes up because yeah, he is a very like objectively horrific human being. But so were a lot of people on still on Wall Street. That's what the movie is about. And that is the real villain, not his character. They just chose his character as a way to discuss it because he took it to an extreme with the serial killing. And then there's also a discussion to be had about whether he actually ever killed anyone or was it all in his mind? You know, that last scene in the movie is so ambiguous. And I think that to call Patrick Bateman the villain of the movie is a disservice to the movie as a whole. I think that's fair because oddly enough, you know, even, even as you get sort of more into the movie and you just, you kind of still don't want Patrick to get caught. Right. I don't know why. Right. I don't particularly like what he's doing to other people, but me neither. I don't want him to get caught. All right, so now we're going to bring in our good friend Micah, um, and he's going to help us discuss these top five lists. Micah, what's going on? Hey, (laughs) just talking about dogs and drinking this this beer. My God, have have any of you guys out there had this beer? Because it's spicy. I like it a lot. My, my, uh, My South Asian genetics are responding very well to this beer. You know, I would say that was planned, but it, oh my god, that's spicy! Uh, yeah, oh my god, <laughs> you're not lying. This is this is oh. this is Saturday morning breakfast for me. Yeah, Jesus. I mean, is this this has just been a 2013, oh. seven years old, which is I, I I'm gonna assume that's why we're getting so much spice. Uh, <laughs> it's had some time to simmer. Yeah, it definitely has. Is it better with age? Is that a thing? Uh, some, I mean, some beers age better, but like I some. Don't, I never had this when it was fresh, so I don't know. <laughs> I got nothing to compare it to. <laughs> we got to go get it when it's fresh so we can I, see yeah, if it's I, really that spicy or not. I haven't kept up with my Are we going to die? Man? Is that what's going to Yes. We might. We might. <laughs> it's called a double bastard. I just feel I just feel like So Micah, are you you're not obviously we were recording in Troy, New York. So you are you're not originally from the capital district. I'm right? I'm not. I moved up here when I was in the 8th grade. 
Ooh. Uh, and I went to Columbia High School, Blue Devils, baby. I got my. Uh, I got <laughs> oh my, yeah, you're uh, even out there but... posting about organizing the ten year anniversary. I know my ten year reunion. reunion. Yeah. Um, How's that going for you? It's going well. I'm going to invite the guidance counselor that told me that college wasn't an option for me. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be great. I'm going to confront so many people. Oh, my God. Oh, you're using this. So every 10 years, you're just going to use every this 10 years as you progress in your yeah, career. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to outlive all you bastards. Good, good for you. Well, not, <laughs> not if this beer has anything to do with it. I know, right? I'm going to be at our 50 year anniversary reunion and be like, see, I did it. I just that is sheer spite. Lived <laughs> made it through. <laughs> Good for oh, you. Man. I'm the villain in these people's lives. They just don't know it. I'm the magnetic villain. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> yeah. So let's get into uh, our honorable mentions. Oh, I'll, I'm excited. I'll kick us off. My first honorable mention, and I'll first say that the reason she's not in the top five list is because the stakes in this movie are just a little bit lower. You know, there's nobody dying. Almost. Almost. There's there's some lasting effects, maybe, but like nothing that therapy couldn't take care of. Like they'll be fine in the end. I don't know. Wouldn't you be a little afraid to cross the street every now and again? Maybe. And so my honorable mention is Regina George, played by Rachel McAdams in Mean Girls. Let me make the case. She is That sounded so defensive. Just let me just let me go. Just let me let me, let me make let the me case. talk. So she's super manipulative. She is genuinely very mean. She is obsessed with control and power and will destroy anyone who threatens that. And she turns people into something that they're not, which I think are all quintessential aspects of a great villain. So mm -hmm. Regina George, Mean Girls. Yeah, she's got an ideology and she gets people to believe in it. Um, I haven't seen Mean Girls in a very long time, but remind me, how does Regina George's story end? So she gets hit by a, a bus. bus. Oh, wow. <laughs> so she's crossing the street. She gets yeah. hit by a bus. Um, and then it turns out that she turns into a really great lacrosse player. And like, she's better because she was only a junior in high school when the movie takes place. Not a villain. No. And that's the thing. Well, she's not a villain. She has a great, she comes out the other side, which is why she's only on the honorable mention. Like most <laughs> of the movie, she's fucking evil as fuck. But yeah, fair enough. I, I, I guess. A bus accident is a good <laughs> excuse for a character arc. Yeah. Yeah, okay, fine. I, I, she gets what's coming, and she turns out okay, which nobody else on the real top five, like, apart from maybe one, will get there. But they they don't get what's coming. They kind of, they, they win in some ways. Um, so Regina George deserves an honorable mention, not on the top five. Dean, what do you got? It's really funny you bring up a high school movie after I just talked about my high school reunion <laughs> and that and a person and, and the, the, and the person get. getting hit by a bus because man, yeah. Man, are you gonna, are you going to set someone up to get hit no, by a bus? No, no, no. <laughs> um, so for my honorable mention, arguably, I mean, again, <clears throat> kind of like Regina George is not really a villain per se. Also, not really a real person. Um, Tyler Durden from Fight Club. Obviously, he is the machination of a person who is just absolutely losing their mind because they've been living this overtly like simplistic milk toast sort of lifestyle to the point where obviously they want to break out. He he's a character who's wildly charismatic, you know, someone who yeah. you wouldn't mind, you know, wanting to know, hang out with, wanting to be 
amasses a following based off of all these different ideals to the point where he got people to basically ditch their identities um and they just start creating chaos now again this yeah. is uh basically a, a, a product of a man completely losing his mind um and then starts to actually go at war with his own mind once he realizes that it's gone out of control um, and tries to fight it, tries to end it, tries to rein it in, except it's a little bit too late. Um, they don't actually inflict, like, harm, I guess you would say, on innocent people. They clear out all the buildings, right, of the financial institutions that they end up exploding and demolishing. But uh, all they do is cause harm on innocent people. <laughs> well, they do start fights with random people. Yeah, there is sort of that scene. I mean, and and the guy died, like, the... Um, the oh, Robert Paulson. Yeah, Paulson. Robert he was in his he was, name he was Robert committing Paulson. a crime like he was i mean i'm not saying yes and and, and that's and that's where things obviously took a turn for the worst and we but don't it, know if those intent. buildings were clear we don't know if there was one straggler just like i gotta get my paperwork done or i'm not gonna be able to pay for my kids college someone that accidentally left something in the up all right no that's a fair yeah. point well all right. you're doing evil shit there's always there's always blowback there's right and then shrapnel. think about the, the buildings falling like the build like you're gonna hurt there's someone's gonna be getting hurt okay or, so anyways you know and look at what it, did like, more heinous shit than we thought and we're right, right. <laughs> I mean, and think about think about the long term effects of the respiratory system of the, <laughs> of the debris of these buildings falling. You just, <laughs> I think that Tyler Durden was truly like, I, I, yeah. I All mean, right, maybe I mean, maybe he was a really serious villain, but I mean, <laughs> he wasn't real. Number one. So my whole thing with Tyler Durden and I don't think he's necessarily a villain. Also, I can't do anything more than just sip on this beer. This <laughs> is, no, you can't take more than the smallest sip. It's so spicy. It's a punch in the face. Like every 13 which is minutes. so awesome. Yeah. So, my whole thing with Tyler Durden is like, I don't consider him a villain because I feel like he's a necessary step along this guy's personal growth. Okay, right. And obviously in the beginning of the movie, like that version is not okay. Like who he is, like the IKEA cookie cutter life, like that's not that's not it. Probably gonna kill himself by right. auto erotic asphy- asphyxiation. Who yeah, knows? Yeah, yeah. And it's like it's David terrible. Carradine. And he then seems like obviously the Tyler Durden takes it way too far in the complete other direction. Right. So for white guys, it's only the only option is either terrorism or IKEA. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much like that's the way I feel like it we should give you guys more options just just I, for my own sanity well to be, yeah well to be fair this is our bed we're we're laying in it that's kind of really what the situation is we, we created the situation I, whenever i see a lone white guy cross the street now like or like going down the street i have to cross the street because i don't know what's going on in that trench coat uh know. you know i think tyler durden obviously had a few points he did some of them some of the some of which i agree with in in to a degree because he again as we have said with all of these, took it a little far. Took it way too far. <laughs> I think I think his most represent reprehensible behavior is when he comes in the soup. That's, that's it. That's the one. That was it. I, I thought he peed in it. I thought he no. Well, he did a lot of things. Well, he did in a lot of things. Food. I mean, with 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 Fantastic. the clam chowder. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah, what else do you sense. do? You can't yeah, pee in yeah, it unless yeah. you're well hydrated. <laughs> So yeah, Tyler Durden, definitely evil. I think he was just a necessary progression on this guy's... Right. It's Would like you the, say a necessary it's like the, evil? It's the battle between the id and ego, right? Right. Like, that's and, the whole... And he comes out all right on the end, and like Marla's there with him, and they're holding on. 
they're holding hands while you they say watch he comes out all right at the end all right we don't know he's we don't a know. full-blown terrorist at the end of well, it but he's got he Marla. didn't mean to i mean and clearly this dude <laughs> this man has a mental like he has a mental illness like but he killed you it. can argue okay <laughs> he killed it by shooting himself in the face in, like <laughs> This this man he made it he just like okay Tyler Durden and and Regina George are the same people what you're saying wow. is like they both could have easily solved their problems with therapy yeah could have could have one had to get hit it, by a bus the other one had to a, shoot themselves in the face and destroy a bunch of buildings and commit a terrorist act and get people killed and again he didn't want to do that I think maybe I don't know different I'm strokes just, for different folks therapy's not for everyone blowing up buildings. Therapy is for everyone. Don't listen to if you, every single person here that's, that's listening not a real needs comment. therapy. Just, you know, I mean, I'm but. I'm in it, and that's why I'm not blowing up buildings. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, that is my at least one of my honorable mentions. We're spending a lot of time on the honorable mentions. I'm all right with. I like it. But we got time. So what's your other one though? My other one's John Doe, played by Kevin Spacey in Seven. Now that's a. That's a pretty damn good villain there, Corey. Why uh pretty yeah. magnetic if I would if I would say so myself. Why is he not on the list? Well, he's not on the list because fucking Kevin Spacey is the <laughs> fucking worst. So Agreed. he gets disqualified. He can't be on my list, but I do need to talk about the character because the character is excellent. That's Andrew Kevin Walker's creation. I want to talk about the character leaving out Kevin Spacey. The character is obviously he's a serial killer. Um he's but he's magnetic. not what do you mean? He's got a serial killer just kills out of like, he just, he just kills no matter what. This guy had a plan. Well, this no, guy had a plan to kill seven people. He had a point to prove. He had a, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I, I don't want to cut you off, but like he wanted to kill seven people to make a point to, whereas a serial killer, I feel like the Zodiac killer, just anybody mm. like, so he's, there's they've a- got an MO, but like. If anybody, like it could be up to 30 people, but this guy specifically had a plan. It was like seven people, seven deadly sins. So you are right to an extent, but serial killers can fit into one of two categories. There's the product killers who are just there because they want the bodies. You're Jeffrey Dahmer. He wants the body. He wants that. There's your process killers who are into the planning of it. Like BTK, he was in for the hunt and then he did it. And I feel like he is a serial killer in that he he needs to do this. He feels like he's this messenger um, and he is into the process. But and some kind of have like I feel like a thematic sort of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Way they go. They, about they things fit, sort of they their fit a certain bill and they have their M.O. And this is obviously taken to the extreme with him. And. You know, I think in some ways the point that he has, like he kind of has a point, like the gluttonous guy, the greedy lawyer, like these are awful people. Obviously, they don't deserve what they got. That's just the not razor okay. blade dildo just felt the <laughs> razor blade dildo just felt a lot. That was yeah. way that but that, that crossed and that all and that's my the argument is that like you a say lot. he has a, like a serial killer has an mo a style in which he kills people right yeah but like he doesn't he's doing he's giving them each a unique way of. I don't know. I, I guess I don't know the definition of a true serial killer, but like to me, this guy had a plan. Like he was going to do something. And, and I think that's the MO though, is it's what links it together. Right. And for him, the MO was the people right. and the type, and they all f- had to fit a certain mold. Right. Um, and so, 
you know, for him, like he's got that. And I think one, the really interesting thing and something that is incredible in the way that they wrote and direct the movie, like he has this presence over the whole movie, even though he doesn't show up until the last 20 minutes, mm. he walks into the, into the police station covered in blood. He does the detective scene, which is fucking incredible. And then, you know, that's like the only 20 minutes. Then they go out to the desert. You got the what's in the box scene. And then he turns Brad Pitt into a murderer and fucking ruins his entire world. And like, holy shit. What's your other honorable mention? What do you got? So my other honorable mention is um, Samuel Jackson's character. uh, Why am I forgetting the name? Mr. Glass? Well, it's Mr. Glass, Glass. but I know he's got a different name. One second. It's um, uh, Eli? Eli. Yeah, Elijah. 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 So, uh, Elijah. I, I like that, like, just the Samuel Jackson's villains, you just know. Yeah. You just. <laughs> yeah, dude, the guy, I mean, number one, like, anytime he's really in a movie, he's, he's able to sort of steal the show. Uh, but his I character, his, his character in Elijah Price, in Eliza Price and Unbreakable, um, so the reason why it's in an honorable mention and not in my top five I mean, a couple of things, and, and, and Corey and I discussed this a little bit, but so you don't really know he's the villain until the end. But for me, because uh, I always thought like every single time he was on the screen, which was sort of minimal, which I get the focus was on Bruce, Bruce Willis's character throughout. And, uh, you know, I, I get that, you know, he's he's the protagonist. He's supposed to be the hero. Plus, it's Bruce Willis. Um, but. Anytime you had Samuel Jackson, Elijah Price, that character on the screen, I, I feel like he completely took over. You were just so interested. You wanted to know more about him. You wanted to know more about his history. And you had a lot of empathy and sympathy for him just because he breaks so easily. Like he, 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 he had a tough life he grew up in. And that sense that as he says throughout that he just never felt like he really had a place in the world kind of thing. And um, but again, he's just, you know, he the interplay between him and uh, oh God. And David, David Dunn, David Dunn, which is Bruce Willis's character in that, um, I would like to have seen more of that because I think that that could have been really interesting. Which I understand, Glass is pretty much it's the character, right? It's right. exactly what you're saying. Like every time he's on screen, you're like, I love this guy. His delivery of lines, right. his and his ability to sort of transform into this character, which is sort of like almost a muted kind of sense of like all a lot of his other characters or just his just personality in general right um which i i I, you know i really which i really like about it i like that he's able to he is able to be like a true actor and just really just kind of transform himself into these different characters to be this vulnerable person who turns out to be have done very heinous terrible things but his i mean he has a point to prove to himself not a real point to prove to everyone else it's not a societal point to prove he's got a point to prove to himself what is his place in the world and apparently his place is being a villain and he literally acknowledges that and that he basically the hero to it it has to be david dunn bruce willis's character but yeah i but the thing is that mr Uh, uh, mr glass yeah sees himself as the hero like he sees them teaming up right like he sees himself as a as a hero because of that one comic book that he sends him to or that he yeah like and that reminds me have you guys ever seen talented mr ripley no no oh man there's this one line matt damon in that where he just goes you know like the bad guy you never think you're the bad guy in your own story and that reminds me of that like mr glass he doesn't 
He thinks yeah. he's righteous. Yeah. He, and he thinks he, it's deserved. He wanted to find his other half. Right. And he did. Yeah, arguably. but it's very... His righteousness, though, it belies in himself, though. It's all about him. Oh, it's self-righteousness, yeah, and that righteousness right. is misplaced. Like, it is with any villain. Like, right, right, They're not right, actually right. righteous, but they think they are. Right. Well, some, again, have points. Well, yeah. But they're, they took it way fucking too far. But his were literally just all related to himself. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, he, he had... He wanted to prove that he could be a strong person that he wasn't actually made of you know quote-unquote glass and i mean that line though is so crazy just sort of at the end when when bruce willis or david dunn finally figures out sort of you know he shakes his hand and that 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 scene which is a great scene uh and he just says to him you know uh david dunn just says to him he's like you've killed all those people and he goes but i found you so many sacrifices just to find you Ah, uh, it's just kind of crazy but yeah breaks me I, but the other thing too is that so right you don't know he's a villain to the end <clears throat> I think it's a very rewatchable movie. I think it's a great movie. Loved revisiting it, to be perfectly honest. Um, And I'm still just like, oh, man. Like, I don't want him to be the villain kind of thing, where it's like, I do feel bad for him in in a way, because dude just breaks. Although, what I will say, so because I was considering him putting in my top five, one of the lingering questions that I had, or at least an observation I had is, 54 breaks throughout your entire life? That's pretty good. For a guy that is as fragile as he is. Only fifty four breaks. He's pretty safe. He plays. It, he plays it safe. I know. Yeah, that's decent. That's decent stats. Respect. <laughs> All right. It just also goes to show you, like, I, I kind of miss M Night Shyamalan. Like, right. I, Good I M Night Shyamalan. I mean, I think that every director has his his hits and his misses, right? Like, I just think that a lot of people were they ride on M Night Shyamalan a little too hard. The Sixth Sense, Unbreakable. And like, I mean, he's got, he's got, he has his flops too. Like, I didn't like the village. I didn't like Lady in the Water. The happening was fucking awful. I didn't like the happening. I didn't like, he did signs, right? Signs was terrible. I hated signs. Whoa. Like oh. That's my favorite M. Night Shyamalan movie. <laughs> the aliens that come to earth and they're fucking water is the death pick a yeah planet, dude man. you don't you don't but they don't know that they don't know that like they don't know about water they're not there for water they're there for carbon dioxide which funny enough we're talking about a movie where the character's weakness is water david dunn yeah oh yeah, yeah. i don't know just tying it in oh man full circle he must like water he's got a lot of hates water <laughs> yeah m night Shyamalan doesn't he swim hot, hot take m night Shyamalan. <laughs> Doesn't drink water. <laughs> you know, I, it <laughs> and what do plants drink? Water. Oh my god. Oh man, it's all connected, man. Yo, I did not have my hip hop air horn ready for that. I I really love Signs. Though Signs is my favorite. Like there there are movies in my life that like uh, critically people don't like. Right. Like um, I love Signs, and like one of my favorite movies of all time, and nobody agrees with me on this one is Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Mm. Like the new one with Ben Stiller. I okay. love that movie. I love I it, it so much. Huh? But anyways, no, I, watch it if you guys. Yeah, yeah. I got smoking aces. Critics hate that. Ooh, I, I love that movie. That, movie. that wasn't a, I didn't think that was a bad movie. I fucking loved it. I think it was a great movie. I like I like the premise of like like quirky assassins showing up to I mean, and that's been tried they they've tried to reproduce that. Uh, all the time and it fails but Smoking Ace has got it right oh, yeah, I don't know right. how I, I mean they got magnetic people in that movie like Dude, Taraji P. Henson Ryan Reynolds uh, Ryan Re- like, I fucking love Ryan Reynolds most I, things I that he's in too. into the top five 
Um, we'll be revealing our top fives. For each one, we have some categories that we'll be discussing. So, Go my it, number Corey. five is Hannibal Lecter, played mm. by Anthony Hopkins in The Silence of the Lambs. The first time I saw this movie, it was like 11 o'clock at night. I saw it on TNT. Mm, sorry. I it was it was unfortunate but it was it was great. So I was like in 11th grade, it was 2004, so like 11 no, 13 years after the movie came out. I had known about it cuz like everyone does the closer thing and they do, you know, That's the different the one? quotes and really? they do put the lotion in the basket. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that no, that, I, that feels like I always one. go I always say good evening, Clarice. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Clarice. But yeah, I mean, I got all those and I knew about them, but I hadn't ever like sat down and saw the movie and I was working on this project. I had procrastinated the shit out of it and it was 11 at night. So I was like all amped up because I just crushed this project in like seven hours. And so I was just amped up and I was like, all right, I can't go to bed. I just got to watch a movie. So, you know, I was flipping through, found Silence of the Lambs. It had just started on TNT. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll just watch like 15 minutes and then I'll go to bed. Not what happened. Can't I do was that with just that like, <laughs> I got drawn in and I was just like, all of a sudden it's fucking one thirty in the morning on a school night. And I'm sitting there like terrified. Cause I just watched Hannibal Lecter eat someone's face. And didn't so, eat it. He, he did it. Eat, well, yeah. all right. Fair enough. But just he, gave him a, just, he digested that skin. I mean, um, yeah, he probably swallowed. <laughs> you got to get your protein somehow, right? <laughs> well, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how well fed he was. And so that weekend, I went out immediately. I went to Hollywood Video. Quick throwback, 2004. Hey. <laughs> worked there for a quick second. Hollywood for Video. For literally a quick second. It was two months. I worked at Blockbuster in Latham before they closed. Oh. Like, I worked there for a month and then they shut. So I, I went that weekend, got it, and then watched it again, like, immediately. and watched As the you should. Version. Yeah, yeah. And Wait, how old were you? The TNT version, like, they cut uh, out everything. Yeah. I was a junior in high school, so I was, like, 16, 17. Yeah, I was going to say, that's like the the line where you could go yourself. I wasn't sure if you had to get your parents to do it. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, didn't. I, I was good. I think yeah. I also went to, I went to the one where Fudge worked. So, oh, Fudge so he friend. was just like, I, I just brought it Mike up. Mike he, he, he let me go on the restricted tag. Ooh. So with Hannibal Lecter, I think what makes him so magnetic and incredible is like, he is just the ultimate kind of dichotomy and juxtaposition in a character where on the one hand he's just incredibly sophisticated incredible incredibly intelligent is very into like manners and respect but at the same time he kills and eats people he's, so, very, like, cult he's very cultured he's very yeah. cultured and so like he has this aura about him and it's just and it's played so perfectly by anthony hopkins and like just an incredible performance and the crazy thing about the movie is you have this other villain that actually takes up most of the movie. Mm. You know, most of the movie, an hour and a half of it out of the two hour runtime is the Buffalo Bill Clarice story. Yeah. And really, Anthony Hopkins and Hannibal are only on screen for really about a half an hour. No, yet... seven minutes. Oh, but like, but not right? seven minutes. Wait, the interaction between them? No, he's on screen a total of seven minutes. Yeah, That's but with it? the yeah. whole scenes, wow. like, the scenes that involve him are like 30 minutes. I mean, like not his actual screen time is seven minutes, but the the whole scenes with the cuts back and forth and all that, it's like 30 minutes of his scenes. 
That's wild. But he sticks with you. He's what like lasts from that movie. Right. You're a lot more curious about him. That movie that. okay, the sounds of the lambs, that whole movie, what it does brilliantly is that it, it it immediately immerses you into that world so fast. And the true villain, I argue, in that movie is ready for it. Toxic masculinity. Oh, because the whole time in the first five minutes of this movie, right. Jonathan Demi brilliantly sets up Clarice, right? Yeah. She's a woman who's training on her own, going as hard as possible. And then when she gets in the elevator, she's in the man's world, right? Like, look at how many people are staring at her, looking at her weird in the elevator Even scene. Even before that, on the, right. when she's running on the trail yeah, and you've got yeah, the exactly. agents that are ogling her. Like, right. Absolutely. And so I that Jonathan Demi sets this up so perfectly in a way where like she's up against all these people. And nobody's like nobody's taking her seriously because she's like this 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 woman in a man's world, right? And so when you meet Hannibal Lecter, like yeah, he's the only person who's one making eye contact with her, two listening to her, and yeah, like at the end of the day, like he's like quote unquote a magnetic villain, but you you like him because he's actually listening to her. And Clarice, and he has a re- lot of respect for her too. Right. Yeah, that's the reason why they have, that's the why that connection works. Yeah. Because at that point we are the, we are Clarice. We, Jonathan Demi does such a great job of making us all Clarice. Right. That by the time Lecter comes in, that's why you love him. He's looking at you like this whole movie. Like he does such a great job with POV that like he makes you feel like Clarice like you know you feel that you feel the tension you feel the people ogling her you feel the people looking at her weird that you feel every bit of it you feel the guy who doesn't take her seriously is like we like you know like the guy who runs the prison and Chilton. Chilton. yeah and then who I, who I actually argued was the real villain of the I would argue that Chilton too. is the Fuck biggest that asshole absolutely that dude. and that guy always does a really good job of playing a douchebag so I'm curious yeah, what yeah. he's like in real life I, I agree I think that he's the real <laughs> villain and I, I think but he's not magnetic because you just fucking hate him. I I love that movie yeah, because you're like, he gets his. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you feel great about it. Too. That movie just it does such a great job of like making you feel what Clarice is feeling. Like like the reason why we love Lecter is just he listens. It's such a like it's such a like which is why he's so good at what he does. Right, though. and I I think that's why like he he weaponizes it. Film. No, and I mean that's what I love about Lecter, and I think what's so great about both the movie and the character is like they form this real connection, and he genuinely helps Clarice. Yeah. become a better... doesn't help anyone else. No, <laughs> no, but Hopefully that's not, that's but the like, crazy thing is because nobody else is helping Clarice. Right, yeah, and right. he does, and he helps her both deal with past demons as yeah. well as sharpens her abilities as an fbi agent by asking questions instead of just telling her and like listening and really gets he her all he does is like else. yeah exactly. he's a great teacher in that yeah. way like he just asked the questions to get her to the answer and like that's uh, an incredible thing about him and his character what an insane movie if yeah. only he i can, just go, I can talk the i can talk this whole episode about that movie <laughs> if just only like, he just didn't have a pension for wearing other people's faces you yeah. know what i forgive it because he listened to it <laughs> <laughs> dude fuck that guard all right so <laughs> Most magnetic scenes. I have three nominations, and we're going in uh, chronological order in terms of the movie, um, and we'll we'll declare a winner at the end. Mm-hmm. So the first one is uh, Clarice meets Hannibal. The first scene where they go in, so and good. like you said, you know, 
you finally get the scene where it, it, it pans across and you get Lecter really just staring at her and waiting for her. And it establishes how into manners and how sophisticated he is. He's like genuinely kind to her. Yeah. Can we um, talk about like his posture? His posture is impeccable. Like, which is terrible. It's intimidating. It isn't, it is absolutely terrifying right off i think that. that's it man yeah. i think i think that's the most magnetic scene i think we're done here <laughs> <laughs> all right dude shut well, up <laughs> yes but that whole that that whole first interaction that whole scene is just i like, got i got another one that i think it, it, it maybe rivals it but yeah go, I go ahead two more so that that scene is incredible because it does such a great job of introducing every part of him he's got the sophistication he really cares and listens to her but at the same time it establishes his incredible intelligence and Mm. observation skills the way he almost immediately detects that she's not a real fbi agent that Mm. she's still a trainee just like almost instantly and then it also as soon as clarice starts pushing him a little bit he flips and shows how evil he can be and he does the you know what you look like to me with with your good bag and cheap shoes you look like a rube and like he's he it establishes every great part of his character in such a quick scene and it's just absolutely incredible and like you get the you get the census taker line which i want to save for best quotes but you get that line and then at the end you know migs flings the cum in her face and he does i just can't with that scene sometimes he does the discourtesy is unspeakably ugly to me and it's like Meanwhile, you you eat people. Discourtesy, right. like, and it's just such a crazy juxtaposition with the character where, like, you feel great about him because he cares about Clarice, but, like, at the same time, he's he's a, he's awful. And yeah, but so he, he, he it's, pairs... It's great. He pairs the human flesh well. Yeah, we're... That, save it. Don't <laughs> stop stepping on my shit. That um <laughs> that that whole scene is so brilliantly directed and if you if you go back and watch the movie it's the first time in the film where there's a straight on angle on a person talking to Clarice. Right. Like the rest of the most of the movie it's like just a, like a side angle or like a profile and this is the first time you're sitting in between the space of them talking. Right, with the yeah. camera. Yeah, and it keeps And that's why and that scene is so effective is because it starts off like when they're really playing that game, like there's that moment where like they both are on the same eye level in between. And the minute it flips, we start looking down on Clarice and up on uh on Lecter to establish their power and like showing the dynamic right and like it starts off with them both in center frame and then as she starts losing she like it's it starts they she starts literally losing the center ground like and you can see it in the framing of the film and that kind of subconscious like fuck i need to watch it again dude that kind of subconscious filmmaking people don't know what's happening to them but you feel it so the second most magnetic scene is lector with the senator Mm mm-hmm um, they wheel him in. This is where you get the Hannibal Lecter mask, <laughs> mask. and like just so incredible. His fucking eyes too. His <laughs> eyes, just real aware. <laughs> and like this one, this one you don't get any of the any of like the good feelings about him. He's just evil, but like because he's been established as someone you care about, you're like you're kind of into it. And he's killing it. He's killing it. And I think this scene, not saying it's the most magnetic necessarily, but I think this might be him at his most evil. You have this terrified mother whose daughter is missing. Mm -hmm. And yet he just can't help but fuck with her. And he does the, 
Tell me, Senator, did you nurse Catherine yourself? <laughs> did you breastfeed her? Toughened your nipples, didn't it? And like, th- here she is, and like, it's real just good impersonation, so by the way. Fucking bad. Really like, it's so evil, and it's like so bad. And then he does the amputate a man's leg, and he can still feel it tickling. Tell me, Mum, when your little girl is on the slab, where will it tickle you? It's just so. That's such a good line. It's such a great That's line from a like line. establishing how evil this motherfucker can be, right? Like, and just I think it's him and his most evil, and then, but it also establishes how funny he can be because then the last line and oh, and Senator, one more thing, love your suit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like he's just so incredible. Like you still like him and you laugh, yet he's fucking with this like desperate mother, and yeah. it's just like yeah, you're kind of more on his side. Like, Oddly like, enough, like, can you just let him out? And that's, just let him walk around. That's what's, <laughs> that's what's so brilliant about it. Like, you're you're laughing at this person despite them being so awful. Like, Does that say more about us? Yes. Maybe, <laughs> but <laughs> I think it's also just great. Like, Demi made, it, made us care about him. And so even when he's being awful, you're like, eh. Yeah. So it's, go it's ahead. Demi's, yeah, it's Demi's a fault. Have a have moment. Go, go <laughs> at the senator. Go on. Again. <laughs> so it's Demi's fault. It's Demi's fault. Oh, all right. I'm cool with that, as long as it's not my fault. All right, and then so my last <laughs> scene that I'd like to nominate is the last meeting with Lecter, and then it goes into Lecter's escape. So mm-hmm. the last meeting with Clarice, where he finally kind of pushes her along and gets her to the answer she needs while they also do the whole lambs thing. And I think like the close the really close up with Hopkins and how it like slowly pans in and his face just keeps getting bigger as the story grows more and more intense. Like the tension building in that scene is incredible. And you again, kind of fall in love with Lecter because he's playing like this big brother to Clarice and helping her get to where she needs to go. Um, And then we're just getting her out of his, out of his hair so he can get out. I mean, both. I think they're friends at the end of it. No, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. And like, he really genuinely wants to help her. And then it just totally flips and he goes for his escape. You know, with the escape scene, it's the first time in the movie where we actually get to see him be violent and be the Hannibal that we've heard about throughout the whole movie. And he's got the whole escape, um, the thing that he stole from Chilton that helps him pick the lock. And then he, you know, fights the... He bites the guard's face and then he's beating him with the club and just the look on his face of just nothingness as he's just like beating him. And yeah, you the, remember that this <gasps> guy's is a, almost a as killer. if he's painting like a gigantic canvas. Just right. Wow. Like broad strokes. And just these huge broad strokes <laughs> and just like while beating this guy and he's got the blood all over his mouth because he just <clears throat> ate this dude's face and then he cuts his face off to escape and then. The scene he creates with the dude, like, I think that's the most beautiful shot of the movie where the dude is just hanging from the cage and he's backlit, almost looking like an angel. And then you zoom in on him and his just fucking intestines are just out. Yeah. And just like that. Just that a casual scene, reminder that, that this guy's a, that this, a murderer and a serial killer and like a psycho. You, like, right. You, you cared about this dude and you thought he was great and he just helped Clarice so much, but like, don't forget who this fucking guy is. And yeah. I thought I, I love that scene. I think that that's my last uh, one that I want to nominate for most magnetic scene. So what is it? My votes for the third one. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm going to go with the, um, I'm going to go with the first. 
I think I gotta go with the first. Wait, Although I do, I am partial to the senator scene just because of all of the dynamics that you just sort of described with it. It's just so good. It's just like it's him being antagonistic at that point, as opposed to just like you know that banter between him and Clarice. Right. Um. Now he's just being a dick. Yeah. And I that could be fun. It can be. It's the most fun scene. It's the most evil scene. I vote for the third because I like the way it flips where he's so helpful and then it reminds you how evil he is. But I agree with you that like, I think the first scene is the most important because it establishes everything about him and it does it so fucking perfectly. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I'm with that. Uh, Favorite quotes. I got two. A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice bottle of key ante. That was a good one. Let's we'll go with that because it's the most famous one. I like that one. <laughs> I also do. I mean, my favorite one, that one's better, but my favorite one is I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's my favorite. Yeah. That's a, what a way to end a movie. What I, a way yeah. to end the movie. I actually have two lines that I picked out from it. All right. Go for it. Uh, the first one when he was talking about one of his old patients, just because it's just so. Um, I guess I don't know if the word is clinical or just very like it's you know it's it's part of your job where you're just describing the guy and he goes garden variety manic depressive tedious very <laughs> tedious <laughs> like <laughs> oh so he was boring for you that just I like that yeah no I, I I just thought that was a great way of like him just being very simplistic about it and talking about one of his patients and then when I think he's talking about the senator's daughter mm-hmm. when they were like going based on the description big in the hips roomy. I don't know why. Like Sarah and I, when we were watching that, just started cracking up. Uh, I mean, he's so his delivery on so it's good. so good. The line readings are just incredible with him. Um, yeah. So what? Uh, what kind of random thoughts do you have? Because I had I had a few as well. So I I just I actually only have two nitpicks that I nitpicks, just, huh? Yeah, I just need to pick these nits, <laughs> and they're both with my favorite scene. Um, that last scene. The first thing is this is Hannibal fucking Lecter. You're sending two guys. Two guys? It's Hannibal fucking Lecter. What are you doing? There needs to be a person with a fucking machine gun at the door, and none of this happens. Like, guard that man more than with these fucking two guys. But he seems so unassuming. What, what, what scene are we talking about? The, 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 the when they go scene. to feed him, yeah. When they go to feed him and they bring him his food. No, two because guys? they don't know he's capable of that. They know that he's a person who eats people. They don't know that he's someone who can murder two people right away spill their guts, make a whole scene out of it, and by the time they even get there, like... Well, they, they don't, don't know that. They're not doing they, a very good job. Yeah, yeah, that's the whole point, is none of them are good at their jobs. And speaking oh, of people sorry. who are not good at their jobs, the fucking EMTs. Yeah. The dude is wearing someone else's face. Yeah, why didn't no one pick up? Nobody, I always wondered why no one picked up on that. Nobody but Clarice and Hannibal are good at their jobs in this. But the two MT, EMTs, like, step one of EMT school... Check if the person's face is attached. I don't know if that's well, a step know they generally consider. One. That should be step one. <laughs> I think they're also is the based person's off of this face movie. attached. They're also probably worried that well, they're also probably worried that he's dead or I don't know, man, whatever. But everyone's <laughs> bad at their job. This, like this is the problem with this. They need to be better at their job. Yeah, do exactly. Better. Do more. Pay it. To, this is why women are better than, <laughs> at solving crimes. Yeah, none much. of them really fuck this up. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, what do you got? So <laughs> I, I, what I will say, so there's the scene where Hannibal's kind of going through and like basically almost like saying like maybe Buffalo Bill's like going after his next uh, his next victims, essentially. And then right from that, we go to the senator's daughter 
listening to American Girl by Tom Petty. This super, like, creepy, sort of sinister scene, like, who knows, like, who's next kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, bam, American Girl by Tom Petty. Just, like, the most, like, upbeat sort of, like... Oh, and she's just screaming it. Loving it. Singing right along. Tom Petty's just, like, the most wholesome thing I think we could all really think of right now in terms of music, which, R.I.P. Um... And then, uh, I don't know, that one just, like, for some reason, I just started laughing during that. Uh, All right. So what are your lingering <laughs> questions, then, on this? I only have one lingering question. Uh. I'm proud of it. You might dismiss me, but it's fine. So you get the scene with the census taker, and he ate the census taker with fava beans and Chianti. Yeah, we heard the line. What does he eat? <laughs> All right, Dick. What does he eat Chilton with? What's the wine pairing for pretentious douchebag? I don't know. I feel like I would uh, just IPA. go like. It's not, it's, it's, definitely. So he goes craft beer with yeah, that yeah, one. It's, it's an IPA. What's What's the vegetable side? Brussels sprouts. I feel like he just goes, just goes in, just just goes complete, like ravages him and just tears him apart. Does nothing, nothing poetic with it or nothing like artful with it. Just oh, he's animalistic. I think he savors it. Yeah, all right. washes it down with a Lacroix. <laughs> <laughs> a nice seltzer. Just, I actually have a couple. Um, first off, what's it like to breathe with someone else's face on? Um, I'm pretty sure just <laughs> like wearing. A, is it? Yeah, like, like I'm, I'm assuming it's like wearing a Halloween mask. And just, I, I well, I meant I more just like just the no. more wet. I, I meant guess. that's what I'm <laughs> saying is like the wetness, the blood just sort of like going right into your face. It's probably like, a mix between wearing a Halloween mask and being waterboarded. <laughs> Yeah, but the problem, the thing is, though, is I think maybe Hannibal Lecter's slightly more comfortable with it because he likes eating human flesh. Yeah. I'm assuming, but I I don't know. I'm just thinking, I was literally thinking about myself in that. (laughs) Maybe don't. That's that's where you picture yourself. Just hold on. Just hold on. Maybe don't do that. No, I'm not saying that I am going to cut off someone's face. I'm just saying, like, if I had to really commit. Sounds like you're saying that. It sounds like... It sounds like you're about to say exactly what you just said. <laughs> but if I did wear someone's face, how would I breathe? If I. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, how would I feel about it? All right. So last thing. Did Lecter have a point? Well, no, I actually have one more question. Oh, what's, right. the question? what's the question? Um, Sorry. So the, at the end with the paramedics and they're bringing out the dog, are they setting that dog's leg? Is that what's happening? Did you, like, I don't know. I just noticed this. The dog had a broken leg because it fell into the well, right? Aww. So were they walking out just oh, like princess. setting the dog's leg? Princess, yeah. Oh. Were they setting prince- princess's leg? They, they better have been. I sure hope I so. Hope so. <laughs> I don't know. I just I saw I thought I saw like two paramedics or maybe the one that was at like I think he was like holding on to the leg and just, I'm like, is just he Just because your owner is a fucking psychopath doesn't mean you deserve that. Right. No, 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 no. Like, princess I, deserves I'm not dogs are good boys and good girls. I just I mean, wanted I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure the prince is being properly cared for after falling down a well. I certainly hope so. I, I think that we need the, I need that answer now. Like I need to know. <laughs> is princess okay? I uh, uh, Yeah, does she have to walk with a permanent limp? Right. Now I'm upset. Now I gotta know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I was gonna be upset with this podcast, but now I'm like when you bring animal abuse into it, I'm just a whole different person. What well, was an animal abuse? Was it? I mean, okay. She yeah, had yeah. to get the dog down the well somehow. You had to, you had to get Buffalo Bill distracted or pissed off in some form or another. I guess. Yeah. Princess is alive. All right. All right. That's a, you know. Right. You think she adopts the dog at the end? 
So, all right, another Was thing Catherine? I Catherine? Another thing I thought of with Catherine, Catherine definitely not. Not I, not taking that Another dog. thing Who's, I th- who adopts that dog? <laughs> yeah, what happens to the dog? Oh my god, could you imagine the next home this dog goes to? <laughs> I want that movie as a sequel. <laughs> Just homeward bound with this dog. <laughs> well, the other thing too is like I so like, all right, this sounds terrible, but like when Catherine gets taken, mm-hmm. I really feel for the cat that she leaves behind. That cat's just sitting there waiting in the window for her. So excited she's going to be home and uh, got faked. I mean, okay, if she she went missing, they went to the apartment. And that that cat's fine. The cat's already adopted. Well, I hope it's not adopted. Wouldn't you want to come home to your cat? Just like hold out hope she's still alive? You think the senator is going to keep the cat for her daughter? She I don't barely, know. She barely kept the daughter for the daughter. <laughs> no, that's that's a very good point. Which is also why I didn't really care for her during the interaction between the senator and Hannibal. Oh, yeah, but yeah. anyway, um, we, we got to move on. What do you mean? We're <laughs> we're not even half. We're not <laughs> we even got, a quarter of the way What do you done. mean? What do I mean? We got we got. <laughs> we're, we haven't even gotten to your top five guys. <laughs> no, we that was number five. Oh, that, that was, was number five. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as far as we've gotten. So oh, does Lecter have a point? My vote's no. No, no, no. no. He doesn't really have much of a point. All right, cool. Go with your number five. (laughs) Uh, All right. So my number five, um, it comes from Collateral. It's Vincent from Collateral. Now, I... Tom Cruise, baby. Tom Cruise. Cruise control, baby. (laughs) Dude, I I don't know. You just got to talk to us about your cruise. I always had an obsession with Tom Cruise. And it started started because... And it started because my parents introduced me... Like, one of the first movies I ever remember watching, other than Backdraft, which, shout out to Backdraft. Shout out to Billy Baldwin and Kurt Russell. Um, Love that movie. I don't care how trash it is. Uh... (laughs) Um, but anyways, the other movie was Top Gun, which Oof, Tom Cruise Top is phenomenal I in that hate movie. Top Gun. What? I don't the know what's wrong with you. The only reason I like that movie is because Tom Cruise is in it. But that movie is terrible. Not even Val Kilmer I mean, with Iceman? No, no, he's not very good. It's so bad. good, bad, though. No, it's yeah. bad, bad. It's no, real it's bad, it's but bad, it's so bad. good, it's bad. It is not a good movie. Anthony Edwards' Goose. <sighs> it I, Again, is Tom Cruise completely magnetic in it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it a good movie? No, but it's really good. It's so bad, it's good. You're not gonna tell me you like what was his name? Viper. Uh, I'm not gonna even try and go through all the characters. Anyways, I'm gonna see the second one because Tom Cruise is in. I'm 100 percent gonna see the second one. And my Miles Teller, big fan. I am so pumped for the second one. No, no. I can't finish this beer. Uh, I can't. So much sediment. Too much going on in there. (laughs) But so. I had a huge obsession ever since then. Loved Born on the Fourth of July. Loved The Last Samurai, even though white guy saves everyone. Weird. No, 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 no. You disagree on that, boy? Are are we about to talk? This is a Last Samurai tattoo. First of all, first of all, and I argue that Tom Cruise is not a white savior in that film. He doesn't save anyone. Actually, it's a good point. He doesn't. Everyone dies except for him, the fictional character. Okay. I disagree with anybody who says that movie is about like a white savior. That's all. Because he doesn't save anybody. He just learns to appreciate cultures. He learns to appreciate people. I think that's another point for Tom Cruise. Yeah. yeah. Last Samurai is one of my favorite movies. That's a good movie. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know uh, that the, the appreciation you had. It. Yeah, right here. There we are. On my arm. Well, anyways, 
So he's in that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry minority, about that. Minority I'm so report. sorry about that. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> minority Report, which is another one of my favorites. Right. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I it, Vanilla Sky, too. I, I fucking loved that movie. Do you not? No, 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 no. no. Yeah. I, I, that's fine. I love it. I, don't, I like the original better. It got me during a weird time. When I was 16 years old with Mono, girlfriend left me. Is that, <laughs> was your bout with Mono when we uh, watched Shaun of the Dead? No, I think that's when I got the cysts from my tailbone removed. Oh, yeah, when you had what? ass surgery. Got it. You just wanted to say that. <laughs> I, mean, I know how that Ass happened. surgery. <laughs> um. So, so, yeah, anyways, loved all those movies. One time, tried to watch like almost all of those in one sitting with one of my friends because we both shared this appreciation for Tom Cruise. Um, but Vincent, his character in this, <clears throat> you know, one of those kind of rare moments where I don't think we've always seen Tom Cruise be a villain. Uh, Interview with the Vampire, which I also thought he was fucking phenomenal in that as well. Um, I assume might need no introduction. <laughs> <laughs> and like Brad Pitt, though, is kind of like eh, in that movie. Whoa, take it back. All right. <laughs> But with Vincent, uh, this character, you know, he's a hitman or a man for hire, out to kill people, lands in Jamie Foxx's cab, kind of tricks the guy into taking him around, says he's got a bunch of appointments. I forget what it was. I forgot what he said, like his original job was. But, you know, then obviously Max finds out once a body lands on the fucking top of his cab. (laughs) Oh, wait, this guy isn't doing what he originally said he was out here for. Rude Uh, awakening. Yeah, rude awakening, um, which... I mean, leads to one of my favorite lines. He goes, did, did, did you kill him? No, I shot him. The bullets in the fall killed him. One of my favorite lines in a movie. Just like, I don't know, that character always just had something quick to it too, which made you sort of, it humanized him in a way. Um, he, t- like, he was a lot of bluster though. A lot of talk didn't really back up the things that he said with his actions because really all he was doing around was going around killing people. But getting to his like magnetic scenes, the jazz club scene, the scene where oh. he's talking to the owner of the jazz club. And, oh man. And then they reveal that he's going to kill him. Oh. Yeah. Where he just like, that, he goes, that reveal. Is that movie awesome. is so and, like, good. His face just drops. That movie. I. People don't give that movie enough attention. I would say, like I thank you. <sighs> I like. What are you looking that, at? That's, me for? Mike, that's like Michael collateral. Mann's. Like that's Michael Mann's best movie. I know that people oh, are like, absolutely he, not. Oh uh, what? No, is no, not, no, 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 don't no, fucking no, no, don't no. come here with that. I will disagree with you so hard, that's fine, and I will say Collateral is, is just yeah, that's cruise control, hundred percent, baby. <laughs> but yeah, that reveal now where I he like finally that, that that scene where he like basically tells him, and I'm gonna have to tell the guys. I forget what the 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 characters are like. I'm gonna tell them about that story, and just immediately watch his face drop. And then just as he's about to try and make his like his his penance, like you know Tom Cruise or you know Vincent just just gets him right in the head that i don't know that scene is just so good i also want to mention that edge of tomorrow is one of the best movies ever made i people really love edge of tomorrow i love edge of tomorrow <laughs> i don't know that i'm one of those people that's fine. um i would say also uh, another one of the magnetic scenes is sort of where max basically just starts panicking it's after he he has the first kill. Max is just like, Jesus Christ, what have I gotten into? Yeah. And he's freaking out. He's like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And, you know, Vincent just goes the whole, and, and this goes in also one of my favorite quotes from him. You, Max, six billion people on the planet. You're getting bent out of shape because of one fat guy? Max, well, who was he? What do you care? Have you ever heard of Rwanda? Yes, I know Rwanda. Well, tens of thousands killed before sundown. Nobody's killed 
killed nobody's killed people that fast since Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Did you bat an eye, Max? Like that whole like interaction between those two is just I don't know. That one's that one's just really good. Um, it just it just shows a really good interplay too between those two characters. Just sort of you know now all the cards are on the table. Now everyone knows who's who. And you know, I, I gotta mention here like that scene where um where Max is in that club and he like starts to pretend to be oh the Vincent. oh dude that yeah. scene i i that's jimmy that fox's best scene i i i know that vincent isn't in it but him channeling vincent mm-hmm. so good very good which again i think proves to the point how good that character is yeah because that character is just again incredibly charismatic just like really able to wrap yourself in, in he's really able to wrap himself around just like you're able to get wrapped up in his character essentially yeah. um <clears throat> And one that you just want, you wanted more screen time. I wanted more of Vincent kind of thing. Um, didn't want him to die, essentially, sort of at the end of the movie. And then the last scene, from, or the last scene that I'll say is sort of my nomination, is the Fever Nightclub scene, where I think, I don't know if it's his last kill. I don't think it's his last, no, it's not his last kill. It's the, the last, last one before the right, attorney. The last kill is the attorney yeah. who Max is into, the yeah. fir- his first Jada Pinkett Smith's character. Right. Um, but that that nightclub scene is where he's a just great like action set just piece. beating the shit out of people. Number one, like that's the other thing is that Tom Cruise is a really good action at, like character like actor. Like he's just yeah. he's able to do these stunts so well and does well, a lot he of them 100% on his own. Commits to him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's so good. And I just the one the one like part of that scene that always sticks out to me is one of my favorite things. I think it's always in like the clips or the trailer is where he's like on his back and then like slides back. He's like basically looking down his feet, turns over, grabs a gun and starts shooting like at like between his feet, like at however he's going. It's just like, just so well choreographed and he pulls it off so well. Um, yeah, those, those are my three scenes in terms of my most magnetic. It's weird because it's not where he's talking. But it's the Fever nightclub scene because it's just watching his character all in one, just like able to act that out. I just think it's so good. That whole movie is a magnetic scene for me. <laughs> <laughs> all of it. All of it. But I'm yeah, going, I, I like the jazz club scene. Oh, it's so good. The reveal and when his face just goes, it's that's that's incredible. And I think like. I like how cool it makes Max seem because he's like got the Miles Davis lingo and he can talk jazz with this dude and like. He seems like a cool guy, and then it just flips, and it's just like I, I really, I really like that one. That's yeah. what I'm. That's no, what it's I'm so about. good. Um, and then going into my favorite quotes for him, um, obviously I did the no, I shot him. The bullets in the fall killed him. I love that. And then when they get pulled over, um, and Max is again sort of freaking out. He just doesn't know what he's gonna do. And they have the dead guy already in the trunk. And he just goes, just, I just, it's so cold. He just says, don't let me get quartered. You don't have the trunk space. That is so, that is such a good line. Um, Big fan of that one. And then oh, the other, man. and then the other scene where they visit his mom, where like, you know, obviously you got, you got to fit into the role. You can't make any sort of suspicion. You got to still visit the mom like you normally do. And they get into there and, and Vincent goes over to the flowers. And he tells Max about it. He's like, Max, like, she's, she's not going to care for that. And he just looks and he goes, she carried her. She carried you in her womb for nine months. People buy flowers. Buy flowers. Like, that's... <laughs> He's absolutely that right, movie, though. Yeah. That whole movie just... And then, like, when she... Any other actor couldn't, would yeah. not be able to accomplish that level of just charisma in those lines. You know, like... No, and I... I... I want to see more of Cruz's villain. 
Like, yeah, he's I really think good. That's the unfortunate thing. Like Robin Williams is a really good villain in a lot of different in in like one hour photo or and insomnia. Insomnia, I love insomnia. yeah. So. Um, Can we do an episode on top five Tom Cruise characters? I would love absolutely. to. I would absolutely love to. I'm just like running through the, the Rolodex of characters that I love that he's played. Like Jack Reacher, I love. Like I've never I'm seen like, those. I want to see really, those. The first one's really good. The Mission the Impossible one. ones I always thought were good too. I mean, I that, the first and second one for sure. I just uh, want to talk about Eyes Wide Shut. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> <Can we> not. <laughs> We can. That's the thing. Is like Tom Cruise is universal, man. All right. What do you got for? Uh, you got any observations? So picks. The one Questions? after kind of watching this over, I'm just sort of. It's sort of an observation, but also kind of a lingering question. Because like the character at first, when I see it, just I feel like he's exuding so much confidence. He's got a method. He's sticking to his method. You know, has a plan or a backup plan, seemingly for everything. But then when I watched it like this time, just as intently that we did, I feel like he's just really panicking the entire time. Who, Vincent? Yeah, I feel like Vincent is seriously just sort of flailing, but is just able to mask that with sort of his wit, his different, his his ability to have like the yeah, conversation. Yeah, I, I never thought of him as a person who had a plan. Like, what's good? Like, I never thought of him as somebody who was like, "Oh, I, I've got this all planned out." I just thought he was winging it, and then by the time yeah. they figure well, it out, because he's doing it all in one night, right? And, and that's what I sort it, of and he's, noticed. He's yeah. doing them all in a different way, mm-hmm. you know, and he's creating this like. Like this mosaic of like no pattern almost. Right. And so, and then by the time anybody gets to it, he's gone. Well, he's on a train dead. Well, I mean, like, oh, right to the scene. Yeah. Like, if, if, I mean, if, if things had gone to according to plan for him, he would have just been gone. Right. Yeah. He would have been. Yeah, I don't. I I never found that he was particularly good at being a hitman, and that yeah, was actually no. my lingering question. Which is, is like, also to that first scene where it's the first kill is super fucking sloppy. Yeah, so right. sloppy, and like, dude, if that's a professional, that guy never falls out of a window yeah. and falls on this dude's car. I don't like, think he's an A list assassin. I think that, like, yeah, I think <laughs> they got a bargain. He, that's so that why that's, my lingering. That's question why he's not like, in smoking aces. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a reason why. Like, he's a sloppy assassin. Well, like. so the, I guess what, what I got wrapped up in, I think, is like the few times I watch is one, it's it's Tom Cruise, and then two, it's just like. It's because of the way that he carried himself, where he's just carrying himself with such confidence in everything he does. But when you really look at him, you look sort of like peel back whatever layers of him. Yeah. He, yeah, exactly. He doesn't have any clue. He's just winging it with confidence, which is kind of interesting to me. Yeah. Where he's just like masking his fear with like this confidence, this wit, and which is why that scene where Max like pretends to be Vincent, he starts winging it with confidence. Right. Right. right? Yeah. Like that's that's all you need. Yeah. He knew what his personality was. You know. So the other thing then, uh, uh, Wait, wait, can I have a lingering question yeah absolutely man sorry so it ties into that and you know because he's not a list and because he's not that great i want to know how he got into it the business that's the other thing yeah what was his background or they said special ops but like right there's no way that fucking dude is special ops he's shit he doesn't the fbi FBI mentions it when they discuss him i thought do they i thought they did well like how I have he, it in my notes. It doesn't mean better. it's accurate, but like I mean, Barry, you don't need Barry's to... a, a, outstanding at being an assassin. Yeah, but he's probably again. It's 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 not one fit all, right? Like he can be in special ops. We don't know the nature of which why he left, right? Like true. Yeah. He's good. Clearly, he's good at killing people. It's he's good he at kept fighting. Up. He's good at yeah. Like <laughs> maybe he was just too witty the whole time. Like I, I don't know. I don't like his parents thinking just, about jokes. Keeps, ma- <laughs> keeps making these jokes. My lingering question is that: Do you think that Max and the woman, the attorney, make it? Do you think that they get married? 
You think they, they have a happily ever after after that? I think they have some really crazy ass sex after that moment. Yeah, uh, like you're gonna have, and then he goes back to being a cab driver the rest of his life. Yeah, I never get, gets the limo thing off the ground. Off yeah, the ground. I get reminded of uh, what Sandra Bullock says at the end of Speed with her and Keanu about how couples who are born out of stressful situations never make it. Aww. So, so you're going to go with a no? I'm going with a no. I don't well, think they Well, they weren't it. born out of a stressful situation, really. Yeah, they were. Well, no, okay, no, no, well, no. Not when they first okay, met and then they first made first the first connection. Met. You're right, you're right, you're right. No, actually, I argue that they, they were born, they were stressed out about LA traffic. <laughs> <laughs> and they were talking about different routes. So I would say that I That's agree. That's the stressful situation. <laughs> no, the most not, stress, the, not the hitman that the just ended up in his car. The most stressful thing about this movie is the traffic. Let's be honest here. Um, so the, one of the observations I had, and I have this with pretty much any Tom Cruise movie. Yeah. But also, I got to give it to Jamie Foxx. The cardio on these men. They do a lot of running in this movie. Dude, I wish a I could. A lot of wish, running. I wish I had that cardio, man. <laughs> Am I wrong? Like, no, no. I feel like when anytime we see Tom Cruise, there's at least a moment in the movie where he's in a dead sprint. Have except you- for Born on the Fourth of July because he doesn't have legs. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you ever seen the behind the scenes on Edge of Tomorrow where they're talking about Tom Cruise's actual like work ethic? Like, I would have had to have been more interested in on the Edge of Tomorrow. Fair enough. Seen it. Fair enough. But there's, there's obviously the scene where they're, they're all all the actors are doing PT, right? Where they're running and stuff like that. And like, at one point, Tom Cruise turns around and he goes, I am like, I forgot how old he was, but he's like, I'm a 50 year old man. See if you can beat me in this race. It's to get back to one, to set, to go back to like the number one position of the camera, basically. Like, yeah, he's like and so he would race people and he would do it all day long. And people were like, I don't know how he does it. So well, like, Jamie Foxx too. Yeah. Like the, the pace that he kept up on it. I yeah. mean, of course, Tom Cruise catches up to him. I think you talk about only, Tom Cruise the rest of this day. Let's be the honest. Only, um, <laughs> the only... I think comparison to Tom Cruise in that way is Keanu and like what yes. he does with the John Wick movies. Like, I just don't think he has the cardio. I don't know if he has the I, cardio. I think he but does, like, man. He, he, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> that man does, he does jujitsu for eight hours real. a day. All right, that's fair. That's, that's fair. Have you? Do, I, I can barely. <laughs> I haven't do, done like, any jujitsu. Even at my best, I've done none. In my in my best, when I was a, when I was a teenager, I did jujitsu, judo, kickboxing. I thought I wanted to be a kickboxer, a cage fighter, my whole life. Oh shit! So I broke my foot. Oh. And then I was like, never again. Oh. I'm not, not, but like I, at my best, I could only do jujitsu for about two hours. Mm-hmm. And then like now, if you ask me to do it now, I could probably do it for 15 minutes. Like, <laughs> but like for eight hours, Keanu, and then going to judo and then tra- car training and then gun training. I'm like, that man's an animal. I retract my statement. That man has cardio for days. Yeah. I retract Keanu, my statement. Keanu and Tom Cruise. Listen, like, John incredible. Wick versus Vincent. That's the movie I want to see. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, no, wouldn't John it have Wick to be like John Wick versus wins. Jack Reacher? Or like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, John That's, Wick absolutely yeah. beats Vincent because, as we discussed, well, Vincent's kind of bad at his job. But John yeah. Wick is the best at his job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, 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 not right now. John Wick is not the best at his job during the movies. So this- he is out of his prime. So imagine, fair enough. imagine, imagine the Baba Yaga himself in his prime. That's insane, right there. Does Vincent have a point? Oh, does Vincent have a no. point? Vincent has a point, like, no. in terms of, like, things that he brings up, like, what Max needs to do with himself, like, get off your ass and actually, you know, pursue your dreams. Yeah. Like, the things that he he's says. A great, he's a great life coach. That's good like, he's a great, I don't know if you can be a great life, life coach where you've taken someone hostage. He's like, no, it's just like you're giving advice, but at the same time, listen, you got a gun in your hand and you're shooting card, someone. His card says, I can give you your life or take it. Like, <laughs> I'll give you the motivation you need, whether you wanted it or not. No, I, I I get that. He's a good motivator, but his larger point, no. Definitely. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I don't even know if there really was a large... Well, yeah. what his larger point, he's taken out of the garbage. 
Which he does he, again. He even admits that it's bullshit. Right. Great sequel. Does Max get the limo business off the job, or just or, or off the ground, or does he just start picking up where Vincent left off? <laughs> <laughs> oh, does he become Vincent? I don't think so. I don't know, he's man. He, he slipped real well into that character in that other scene. Yeah, but he doesn't yeah. get the other part. Oh, you he mean couldn't the, be violent. You mean the killing? Yeah, that part. <laughs> that kind of key part to being a hitman. <laughs> All right. Well, those are our number fives and our honorable mentions. And that is episode one in this series. Um, Micah, thanks for coming out and thanks for joining us. That was that was great, man. Appreciate it. That's what I'm here for. All right. And we'll we'll see you the next time where we get um, where we do our number four. We do our number three. And then after that, we'll get into our two and one in the next two episodes of the series. So join us next time. Hey, Uh, bye, guys.